Would you open God's precious holy word to Luke 18? We're going to finish out the chapter today by the message that I simply call when Jesus passes by. Let's look at the text together. Then it happened in his drawing near to Jericho, a certain blind man was sitting beside the road begging. Now having heard a crowd passing along, he was asking what this might be. Then they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those going before were rebuking him that he should be silent. But he kept crying out much more, son of David, have mercy on me. Then having stopped, Jesus commanded him to be brought to him. So having drawn near him, he asked him, what do you desire or what is your will that I should do to you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said to him, receive sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received sight and began following him, glorifying God. And all the people having seen it gave praise to God. I want us to extract five thoughts that we can apply to ourselves regarding the subject when Jesus passes by. Let's break this down into these five parts. Number one, when Jesus passes by, the gift of genuine faith is aroused. Consider this, then it happened. You see, my method of study and preparation is to look at every word and every phrase of every word and every root of every word and every compound word and the words that go into making the compound word, the meanings of the prefixes and the suffixes. We have something here, we have several things here that are just very powerful. We see it over and over. Maybe your Bible says it came to pass. Aganito, it happened. That means it happened. It became. It happened. Then it happened. De. Aganito, de. It happened then. It doesn't say, oh, upon a certain time or upon a particular or upon a time, like you have a fairy tale once upon a time. It doesn't say that. It says, then. In the Greek, it's just two little letters, but it's there. It has this powerful meaning. It happened then. When? Okay. This is the last miracle that Christ will perform with regard to human relationship. Now, he will curse a fig tree later on, but this is the last miracle of this kind. 
Last one. He's on his way to the cross. Literally, he's just days away. So he knows, and we saw in the previous text last time that he predicted his death, and it was his third prediction, and you put them all together, he gave a very detailed account of how he was going to die. So he knows he's the sacrificial lamb, and he's headed to the cross. He knows this. It's also the season of Passover. Jesus, who had, um, who had had such an impact on the, the Jews in that day, in that area, his power, his teaching, so many called him son of David. That's a messianic title. He's on his way to Jerusalem. So the great question is, well, is this the, he's, maybe he's going to set up that throne and kick out the Romans. Of course, he also demonstrated great power as the son of God in healing and casting out demons. So people were following him. And I think it's Matthew, one of the other two gospels of the synoptic gospels. Uh, tells us that it was a great multitude of people. So it was thousands and thousands of people. They're pressing all around. Now it was the season of Passover. So you have all the people who are headed to Jerusalem for Passover. And then you have all the people who are interested in Jesus. And they're pressing around him. People are shouting and calling and talking and carrying on everywhere. And it's at this place. Now understand, there were, there were blindness, sadly, was something of a common birth defect in that culture in that day uh, because of a particular serious disease that uh, women could have, and, and it affected babies in childbirth, blindness. There were other reasons, desert sand and um, just disease that might otherwise come upon them. People were blind. And so it was the belief of the day that blind people were the next to the bottom on the social scale. There are two salvation accounts, two people. One is this guy and the other is a tax collector. The only person lower on the social ladder to the mind of the Jew in Judaism Lower than a blind man was a tax collector. Christ's going to save one of each on his way. So here's this blind man, meaningless to everybody else, and the only way he can exist is to beg. And so blindness being something that was a little bit common, too common really, beggars and many of them blind people just scattered all along the route of the Jericho Road to Jerusalem, which is where Jesus was, since there was such a crowd and these people knew it was going to be Passover time, they were there begging, crying out that people would help them. Now you think about that. This is one of many days that people would have taken to head into Jerusalem for the Passover season. Just one of many days. Christ did not print uh, an, an agenda. He didn't he didn't uh, tell people his itinerary. This was, he was following the Father's will. So here it is at this point, at this place, at this time. 
Then it happened. Then it happened. What happened? He was headed to Jericho. A certain blind man, Mark names him son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus. A certain blind man. You see that uh, it's, it's an indefinite pronoun. However, what makes it focused is the fact that it's in the masculine singular. So we would say, it was this guy. This guy. Matthew says, well, his name is Bartimaeus, or Mark does. It's this guy. Blind people everywhere, beggars everywhere, people everywhere. It's this guy. It's this guy. It's this guy right here. A certain blind man was sitting beside the road begging. Hearing the crowd passing along, he was asking. How many people had he heard in the last previous days? What kind of a crowd, what kind of a turmoil, maybe even Roman soldiers stampeding along, making sure that the crowds are calm and all this kind of thing? Of all of the things that he heard, it was this crowd that aroused this blind man. What is going on right now, this moment? What is this? He was asking what this might be. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. So he called out. He knew exactly what to say. Now this is amazing. Here's a blind guy quite possibly blind from birth. The language can lend to, to the, perhaps the fact that he had been blinded along the way somewhere. Whatever the case, he calls out and he demonstrates a very serious theological knowledge. His knowledge of, we would systematic them, Christology, the doctrine of the Messiah, the doctrine of the Christ. Because he says, Jesus, son of David. That's a messianic title. The Davidic covenant carried with it the promise that God would establish the throne of David forever and that the son of David would sit on that throne in an eternal kingdom. This Messiah, this son of David would bring healing in his wings. He would, have, he would, be, a, he would be a healer. He would be a great warrior. He would be everything that a person could possibly want as a savior. So he cries out, Jesus, son of David, and then he makes his plea. Have mercy on me. He didn't ask for money. He asked for mercy. He could have asked money from everybody else who was there. But only Jesus could have mercy on him. Nobody else there 
had this power to have mercy. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those going before were rebuking him that he should be silent. But he kept crying out much more, son of David, have mercy on me. Listen, number one, when Jesus passes by, genuine faith is aroused. God, the Holy Spirit, this is a work of God. It's not a work of man. I've preached many meetings where there were many unsaved people in the congregation. But only this one and, and maybe that one would be drawn to the Lord. How is that? Same message, same people, same prayer, same songs. Everybody heard the same stuff. How is it? I can tell you that only genuine faith can recognize the true and living Christ when he passes by. God knows. I don't know, but God knows. Of all the blind people, of all the beggars, of all the people, there's one guy at this particular time who was ignored and obviously despised by the, by the other people around, but Jesus heard him. He recognized Jesus. The blind guy saw the real thing. Begging, crying out for mercy. Now, this is genuine faith. Let me tell you, when, you're come, when you come to Christ, it's by the call of God. It's by the power of God. Nothing's going to stand in the way. He kept crying out much more. Well, that brings me to the second thing. When Jesus passes by, barriers to genuine faith disappear. Here's the truth of the Bible in more places than just here. When God calls you to be saved, you will be saved. God doesn't waste his breath. And nothing can stand between you and God when he calls you. Nothing. I want you to think about this guy now. He's nothing. He called out, Jesus, someday have mercy on me. Those going before were rebuking him that he should shut up. He kept crying out much more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let me tell you, the whole Roman army could have stood there that day and it would not have kept him from coming to Christ. It would not have stopped Christ from coming to him. It doesn't matter whether people are so-called intellectuals or academics or whether they're just by the standards of the world ignorant and stupid. It doesn't matter. This guy was blind. 
He couldn't have had the education that a lot of people had. He didn't even have the experience because he couldn't see what he was doing. But Jesus passed by. Genuine faith was aroused because it's a God thing. This is Jesus, son of David. All the other people, they didn't matter. The disciples didn't matter. Nobody mattered. The priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, none of those people, but Jesus. His faith was aroused and nothing in the world would stay his salvation experience. Nothing. The dragon could have roared up from hell itself with all of his minions and demons and intimidations and power. But it would have shriveled and disappeared in the presence of Jesus coming after his own. Nothing can stop that. Nothing. You're concerned about someone who is unsaved. Who knows how and if and when God will deal? You may think, well, they've read all of these books on the worldliness of, of things and uh, they're they're steeped into science, so-called, and, and, uh, and higher philosophy and, and uh, uh, evolution and all this kind of thing. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There are no barriers. Listen to me. There is no barrier that can stand between Christ and his own when he comes for them. Not a barrier of any kind. Now, this was a pretty strong group of people. And the natural thing would have been for this guy just to shut up. He's, he needs money, so if he didn't want to offend anybody. But listen, his faith, genuine faith is aroused. This is like, you know, I, I heard an old preacher once give, a, give an illustration of an invitation. He says, you know, I was at a big junkyard one time and they had this giant magnet on a crane. And that magnet passed over all this junk. And a lot of it looked like metal, but it wasn't metal. But the only things that were metal jumped up and attached, were attached to that big old giant magnet. Because the magnet was only after its own. That's the way genuine faith is. I can't, I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like Spurgeon or the others. You know, if, if, God had, if God had drawn a stripe on the backs of people, then we could just lift up their shirt tail and see who was coming to the Lord. We wouldn't have to preach and spend all this money and do all. But that's not the way God designed to do it. We're out here after everybody. But somebody's going to have genuine faith because the Lord hadn't come back yet. There are still people who will be saved. Genuine faith is aroused and there's not a barrier in this universe that could stand between the power of Christ to save and the one who will be saved. Because here, look at it. Jesus stopped thousands of people he stopped so everybody else stops Jesus 
commanded him to be brought to him. That's strong language. It wasn't a suggestion. It, Jesus didn't say, hey guys, you think we got time to listen to this guy? Hey, just a minute. Why don't we just take a minute? Yeah, he, did, he, did, he commanded. Stop the whole procession. Bring him to me. Nobody else cared for that guy, but Jesus cared for him because Jesus would save him. Bring him. Him. Well, what about this guy? No. Bring him to me. Third thing, when Jesus passes by, bondage is broken and the will is set free. If you're free in Christ, you are free indeed. Where are you free? In Christ. When Jesus passes by, bondage is broken and the will is set free. Before you were saved, you were dead in trespass and sin. You had no spiritual life at all. You, I, all of us were enslaved. We were in bondage to sin. We have a depraved nature. Things just spiral downward and they get worse and worse in the lives of the reprobate. Worse and worse. Question, is the world worse today than it was 20 years ago? Yeah. What about 100 years ago? Listen. People who are not in Christ cannot help themselves. They are in bondage to a fallen, sinful nature. They're slaves to it. They don't want to admit it. Oh, they think they're free to do this and free to do that. No, it's not true. They're in bondage to human depravity. They were born that way. I was, we're all were born that way. And we continue in that bondage unless and until God Almighty breaks it. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. You have to be renewed, regenerated. You have to be born again. Receive the spirit of life. The salvation that God only can give. Man can't do this. Here's a guy. He's dead. And he's going to help. How's a dead guy help himself? He just gets worse. He, he, he bloats up and then starts stinking and then he turns to something else. I mean, it's just awful. Dead guy's not going to help himself. That's what your spirit is like in that bondage of sin. Helpless. Until Jesus passes by. When Jesus passes by, bondage is broken and the will is set free. I want you to look at this. So having drawn near him, he asked him, what is your will? See that word up here? 
Telis, about in the middle of the second line, the Greek. What do you want me to do? What is your will, your desire? <laughs> Genuine faith is aroused. Nothing in the world can stop it. And the bondage of the fallen nature of the will of man is broken. And God grants him the will to be saved. What is your will for me? Lord, that I might see. Calls him Lord. What is your will? Let me listen to me. When God calls us to be saved, there is no barrier, there is no thing that can stand between us and what God will do for us. And now even the will is set free. And we're going to see what happens to this in the course of this little story right here, this account. This man, until Jesus passed by, was in bondage. And it was manifested in his blindness. And in the bondage of this sin, enslaved to his fallen nature, there was nothing he could do. He was just a slave. Only Jesus could give him his will back. Let me tell you, it's a no-brainer. When God gives you that will, <laughs> you will come to Christ. Whosoever will, let him come. Can you see that's a gift of God? What is your will for me to do to you? Lord, that I might receive my sight. You know, when you're saved, you have to think of it. I mean, it's, if it was for real, it was like this. Nothing else mattered. Your mind wasn't on school or business. or fa Your mind was on Christ. And the awful condition you were in, the conviction of sin, the need for salvation, and only Jesus... Daddy couldn't save you. Mama couldn't save you. The preacher couldn't save you. Sunday school teacher couldn't save you. Nobody in this world could save you. Your mind was on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now his will is unlocked and there's only one thing because the magnet is passing over. And all I want is to be joined to my creator. Having been aroused and awakened out of the slumber of spiritual death, regenerated and born again, I don't want anything but Jesus. And only Jesus can do for me what I desperately need. Number four, when Jesus passes by, Life's deepest needs are met. 
following Christ and glorifying God become the desire of life. Let me, well, let's look at the scripture. Jesus said to him, receive sight. Your faith has saved you. Some translations say heal, some say made well, but I want you to look. The, uh, the word, if it means anything, sesakane, root is sozo, which means to be saved. To be saved. Your faith has saved you. Only Jesus can declare that because Jesus started the whole thing. Jesus brought it with him. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and everything about life changed for him. Obedience and worship. He began following him, glorifying God. Obedience and worship. When Jesus passes by the priorities of life, change. It's a new life. We grow in that life. Following, it's an interesting thought. It's in the imperfect tense, which means he just kept, just kept going, just going and like, you know. That tells me that he was there on Palm Sunday. He was there when the people chose Barabbas over Jesus. He was there when they crucified him. Probably was one of the 120 in the upper room because of the language and the imperfect obedience glorified. Obedience and worship. This is what happens when Jesus passes by. Nothing can keep you from being saved. And all of those references to salvation is, is in the tense where it's just a permanent, it's an eternal thing. It's, it can't be taken away because Jesus did it. You didn't do it yourself. If you did it yourself, you could lose it, but you didn't do it yourself. The whole thing was of God. You see? So now his life is a life of obedience and worship. Finally, when Jesus passes by, people will know it's the real deal because something happened. Something is different. Something that only God could have done. Look at this. And all the people having seen it gave praise to God. How about that? When Jesus passes by, you'll know it. And when he passes by and calls you, everybody else knows it because you're not the same you anymore. 
You're a new creature in Christ. When Jesus passes by. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came into this world to save sinners. If you'll admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus, call on Him to save you. You'll know Jesus is passing by. There'll be no doubt. If it doesn't mean anything to you, you're not the certain person. You're not the certain man. I don't know how that works. But I see it time and time again in the Scriptures. How is it with you today? Have you come here without Christ? You don't have to leave that way. As the Lord calls you, come to Christ today. Just a moment, we'll stand and sing our song of invitation. And if you would come to Christ today, just step out, come, take me by the hand, let me pray with you. Maybe you're here, you're already a believer, and the Lord wants you to come and place your life in service to Him at this church, here at Shiloh. We study the Word together, we pray together, we fellowship together, we try our best to serve Christ together in obedience to His great commission. If that's what God wants in your life as a believer, you come as well. Father God in heaven, Lord, please bless this invitation as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing, okay? Would you come?